to the Barnabas Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Cloyd Brown. If this is your first time listening, this podcast is about encouragement, a podcast about empowerment, a podcast about faith. Welcome back. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening. Thank you for coming out. For my return listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome back. We're going to get started. Now, I told you, I can't remember few months ago that I would be trying to bring guests on and bring more people on. And we do have some guests, um, some definitely powerful women of God. And I promise you will be blessed, blessed, blessed. We're going to have a good conversation. We'll go into conversation uh, next, but I also definitely want to make sure they get to introduce themselves. They uh, have a podcast and I want you to, one, as I begin to tell you about the podcast, I want you to go to go to they're going to tell you where to find it. But if you're, I know they're on iTunes. So they want you to go to iTunes. As soon as you hear this, go to iTunes, subscribe, and then give them five stars. Uh, so uh, how the reason why we want you to give them five stars is, one, we're trying to get the gospel out there. We are trying to spread the gospel. And Definitely. when you give a person five stars, it moves them up. And so it moves, so they're, they're easily found that way. And so uh, the name of the podcast is Two Girls and God. And so I am, I am very bad with names, but I think I'm not. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna let her introduce herself. I do not like messing up people's names. I'm going to give the floor to them so they can introduce themselves, tell them, tell you about their podcast, and then we'll get the show started. Awesome. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks for having us on the show. And uh, for those that are listening, I am Minister Sue, also known as Matua. Um, one of two girls in God, and I'll explain that in a little bit um, after you hear from my line sister and co-host. Hey, y'all, I'm Minister Sunshine, a.k.a. my government name is Megan. So I am the other half of Two Girls in God, and basically what my line sister and I, my, my sister and I wanted to do, as we say in our intro, was really talk about womanhood, culture and faith and how all of those things collide into this wonderful, beautiful thing and what that looks like to be a Christian woman as we walk in the world today. Right, Sue? That's exactly right, girl. That's about it. <laughs> That's exactly right. You got it. <laughs> so, so we just want to, I'm the more, she, what do you call me? You call me lively. I am the livelier of the two. I am definitely the more reserved of the two. <laughs> so yeah, we, we definitely balance each other out. And we, but we love to tackle scripture. Mainly we, we laugh a lot. We have fun, but we love to tackle scripture contextually yeah. And apply it today because when things are tabled, that's one of the biggest things that we push to is this because when scripture is taken out of context, we see a lot of wonderfully horrible things happen. And we want people to know like this word was true yesterday, it was true the day before then, it was true when it was created, and it's true today. And as a woman, as a woman of faith, especially moving through this world today, it's important to know how to use scripture and how to stand on it. So exactly right. That's exactly right. Shouting up in here. (laughs) And I definitely talk more than the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) I promise that doesn't mean that I don't talk at all. (laughs) Like the silent, like you know, like bam, like she says like 10 words, you're like, yo, but I said like three paragraphs, but you feel me the same effect. So, <laughs> so if you need to cut me off, like uh, Mr. Brown, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what, where, before we get started, where can people find you? 
So you can follow us on Instagram. We're at two girls in God. So the number two girls in God. Um, and you can find us. We are available on Apple Podcasts. We're also available on Spotify and Google. Amazon. Amazon too. Westbrook, <laughs> iHeartRadio. And don't forget to hit us up on Facebook. Yes. Definitely send us questions, topics. If you want to be a guest, anything like we're here, we want to interact. We want to get to know you. And most yeah. of all, we want to, like you said earlier, like hit that faith up, get some healing done, spread the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. All right. So we are going to get started. So uh-huh. once again, welcome. Welcome the two hosts of Two Girls in God. Uh, and so one of the things that we've been talking about, I gave the intro episode, man, I, I gave the intro episode two weeks ago, and this is the uh, the second episode in the kind of the series. And so I was reading a book as we were talking offline. I was reading a book uh, called Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes. And the second chapter talks about uh, the misconceptions of money, sex, and food as it goes mm-hmm. to, to Bible in the Bible. And so, of course, it's like it's like a light bulb, light bulb. And I was uh, talking to my brother, uh, Kevin Hill, Elder Kevin Hill, actually. Um, and uh, we were saying, man, this would be a good topic. And so uh, we, we I discussed it and we uh, decided we we're going to talk about money. And so I, I kicked off money last week. And one of the things that kind of stands out to me as it goes to money, and I was at a, no, I was reading a book. I was reading uh, Dave Ramsey's book. And in Dave Ramsey's book, he says that uh, our our parents had two things that they never talked about, sex and money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he said, those are two things our parents never talked to us about. And I, and I begin to do a kind of like a deep dive mental thing. And I think about, I think about the quick uh, conversations that my parents had me about those subjects, but specifically money. And so kind of the things that I, I remember, and I think I, I definitely going to go over the questions, uh, but the, one of the things that uh, I remember is my dad said, only thing he told me, don't get a credit card. If you can prevent it, don't get a credit card. <laughs> uh, I was and, <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, jump in, jump in. So, yeah, and so, yeah. Uh, it is one of those things where uh, I was like, okay, but that was it. That's kind of like the end of it. Noted. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was, that was the end of it. Uh, I think maybe the first time, uh, I don't even remember because I know I overdrafted my account, I just don't remember it. Uh, but I do remember like, uh, uh, not getting I don't remember what they what was said, it was just like, yeah. and I have been working since I was 14, so we wow. think so. I, I am now 37, so right. I've been working since I was 14, and I really, if we're talking seriously, I didn't really begin to understand money hmm. probably until I was about 29. Wow. So you think about 14s. I worked the summer of my four, since I was 14, and there was only a small gap. And the only gap that I had in between not working was when I moved from, when I got the Air Force, moved from Charleston to Raleigh, and I was yeah. job searching. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> so, uh, wow. but then, by then, I already, I've, I'm already married. Yeah. Already, I've already bought cars. Uh, I have a son. And so, with all these things, and I now you go in here without, without, um, any kind of knowledge about money. And then I think about the church and I think about one of those misquote, uh, misquoted scriptures and uh, money is the root of all evil. And we know <laughs> that it's the love of all. Uh, the, the, the love of There's like a yeah. whole, yeah. Like, even the OJs got that right in there. So <laughs> right. like, come on, like people, like, even the OJs got that right. Because why would we are 
we are misconstruing a text that easily brings up the time where Jesus says to, uh, I forget if it was a disciple. No, it was someone testing him. It was like one of the Pharisees. What say you about these coins and paying these taxes? And he says, yeah. render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. That's right. So why would we now, <laughs> why would we have to hate money yeah. in order to abide by the laws of the world and to be able to supply? It's weird mm-hmm. how we like take how how we take scripture and we kind of flip it and mix it and I'm done. That's all. <laughs> so one of my favorite scriptures to bring to that is uh, is actually Ecclesiastes ten nineteen. Ecclesiastes okay. says, a feast is made for laughter and wine merry, makes merry, but mm-hmm. money answereth all things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. it's, so it's, it's one of those things. And I remember even being in the Air Force uh, and I've, I am, I'm, I guess I, you could say I'm less churchy now, but I'm, I'm churchy. And so, I, I, but I've always been drawn to God. And so uh, when I was in, yeah. in the Air Force, I've always kind of had Bible study and stuff like that. And I remember when yeah. I was in Charleston, and there was this guy that he believed that the church people were supposed to be poor, basically. If you had to, not poor, but not wealthy. Uh, and so uh, in a sense, it's, it's kind of a different thing. Like, even the sense, like there's a there's a big church in Charleston, uh, we'll say a charismatic church. Okay. Uh, and so it was, uh, it's called Seacoast. Mm-hmm. And the, the the pastor of the church, he had he had a, a boat, this, this, and that. He, had, he, had, he was wealthy. Uh, and so the, but the, the, the misconception is that if he's wealthy, he must be doing something wrong. And this is, I say, yeah. but this is a white church because we, we often as, uh, as black, uh, churchgoers and, 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 and the black church, we often associate that kind of thinking to only to black pastors in the black church. Huh. But, but this this church was it was a predominantly white church. Yeah. Uh, when I say predominantly, I'm being nice. It's yeah. white, and so uh, yeah. and with, with a few sprinkles here and there. Uh, and so with that, it was just that that misconception because. And then I I always argue with people. I said, you don't know you t- you pick a few pastors, and you think all churches are mega churches. That's true. And the reality of it is, the average church has less than a hundred members. Yeah. That- uh, and most pastors are bivocational. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I even think about uh, my church in New Jersey, Dr. Frederick Thompson. Uh, he didn't even take a salary. Like my pastor growing up. Yeah, he he took a he 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 did twenty years in the Air Force, retired from the Air Force. He was also uh he was he was a very learned man. He had two doctorates, so mm-hmm. he he was mm-hmm. teaching. Uh, but he also he uh. He had real estate. He was renting properties. So yeah. the thing about it is he didn't even have any expensive things. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, yeah, I think I always joke when he had a rav for he said he can ride that to the wheels fall off. Uh, but like uh, he, he didn't take a salary or anything like that. And so yeah. with but most if now I think he has a, a used Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, but, now, but if somebody they automatically judge him because he has a Mercedes, but don't realize that he worked for it. <laughs> he, he worked with one he did 20 years in the Air Force. So I mean yeah. he, he did his time, if you will. Uh and so, but it's those misconceptions. So but I want to go on that tangent. But it, once again, I want this to be free flowing. I want this to be a discussion, yeah. not like yeah, a, a uh just like a question to answer. So one of the things that I, I think I, I ask is what did your parents and family teach you about money? Hmm. Lord. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> my mom was there. My mom is, uh, she is still very much this way. Very much like, okay, money is meant to be spent, mm-hmm. but it's meant to be spent on bills first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my mother was perfectly fine taking a check, making out 70% of that check to bills, uh, paying tithes, Mm-hmm. All of those things. And then if there were, you know, with the remaining 30% going food shopping and whatever. Mm-hmm. So she taught us to um to do that. And I, I I guess that's not a bad way of learning. And the only thing that I would have to say that is that we didn't we didn't really know to live with it, you know, mm-hmm. like to to go out to be yeah. able to things to enjoy um and to have experiences yeah um my mom literally just taught us how to work in order to survive and Mm -hmm. eat and you know do those things yeah so yeah that's what my mom you know and i mean single mother um five children um and so i i guess she didn't teach us that because she that wasn't her reality Mm -hmm. um but you know, we we had always learned that no life is transactional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you give, you give what you owe, and then you know maybe you could buy a bag of popcorn for yourself. But you know that trip? No, we don't take trips. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we had over here. <laughs> that's different. Uh, from from myself, I I would say, oh no, what nothing. <laughs> like that was really my family. Don't owe nobody nothing. That mm-hmm. Roman. 13 and 8, at least the first half of the verse was very true. That, you know, except for love part, we kind of skipped over that. So mm-hmm. it was definitely, oh, no one anything. Like, I'm very, like, I don't like borrowing nothing for, like, from anybody. And I, I'm still like that. That part of me has not left. I will, like, sell, like, a pocketbook out my house or something, like, before I really ask anyone to borrow money. Mm-hmm. And because I think, especially within our culture, we have a fear of it. We don't really use it well. We don't have a lot of financial literacy as we should. And so there's a fear of it because you don't know how to use it efficiently. So I, I was definitely, that was one of the bigger things I was taught. I was also, I adversely, I was also taught to save. So not really about investing, but definitely saving. I had a savings account, my first savings account at eight years old. So I used to, like, I started learning how to balance my savings account book at a very young age. So I got my little allowance and my mom would take me to the bank, EAB. Uh, I think they eventually became Citibank, but I'm not sure. So that was something I, I did learn was saving, but definitely not investing, but at least the start of saving and what that looked like and in a check and paying bills. So <laughs> those are the things. Don't owe nobody nothing, save no. some money and pay your bills. So <laughs> those are like my core components and never tell anybody my last one because four is my favorite number. Come on, quads. And the last one was don't ever tell anybody, especially a man, how much money you really have. Mm-hmm. Not saying that's healthy. Yeah. All mm-hmm. aspects. If you're married, I'm not saying I'm telling you what I was. What I was no, no, of course. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And that's what I was taught. Yeah. Like literally, I think my husband thinks that I am never ever broke um, because I hoard money everywhere. Like, <laughs> and this app and that, whatever. And like, it's a thing. 
I um, thought money came from bra straps because that's what my you know your grandmama used to take money and pull them out. The bra girl, they don't no, no. I can't wait to get one. I was like, "Ooh, it does it come with money?" Grandma <laughs> keep everything in their purse. I know, right? In their bra strap, right? Grandma that smoke got the cigarettes in there. lighter. Candies for church. I'm like, grandma, I want to go to the store to get a little something. She's like, "All right, baby," and she reach over there by the strap. Grandma, where you put the change? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like coin purse, yeah, bra, see, exactly. and then they coin purse and the cigarettes. That's <laughs> yeah, some grandmothers, man, it was they're resourceful though. But it, yeah. it was, I think that, like I was saying earlier, it's just financial literacy is definitely something that a lot of us are lacking. So, yeah, I think, I think a lot of in a lot of ways, and we may not get to all the questions because I go on tangent. So just saying. Yeah. No. So uh, yeah. I think a lot of ways we 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 understand what it's called now, and it's really kind of like a poverty mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we get uh, we get afraid of using that because it comes sounds so offensive. Yeah. Uh, but we have to, it's almost like uh, when Jesus asked the uh, the legion, "What is that? What is what is their name?" You, can't, you don't know how to attack it unless you know what it is, unless you know what to call it. And so, but in a lot of ways, we, I think that uh, now that we are really inside of a, a I guess we'll say a hypersensitivity to some of the injustice that were done to our people. And you realize that in a lot of ways we are, we have the chitlin m- mindset. And what I mean by that is that you take what you're given and you just make it work. Yeah. yeah. And so, oh, um, yeah. And so, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry about that, but the root of it comes from fear. Mm-hmm. Like when we think about, I, I don't know about y'all, but I have a, I have a very real fear. My husband says this all the time. You have a real big fear of zero, mm-hmm. and I do. Um, not because you know I imagine a life of luxury or anything like that, um, but because. I fear everything that comes with the number zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so much of the way that we've grown up, so much of our culture is having to respond. Like it's it's raising children in fear. It's marrying in fear. It's yeah. producing in fear. It's so many things. Um, and you know, and it's it's down to the food that we eat. It's down to the clothes that we wear. It's down to how we assemble in church because the 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 black church. And I hate to differentiate it by race, but you know, and I do that. Like, so we, we are literally a culture. Like yeah. you know, the black church is a thing, and that's because we've assembled there in those times of fear. We've assembled there in so many things, and so the way that we use money and the way that we spend money and all of that thing, it's all rooted in in, in this fear that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Yeah, definitely. So what's interesting is that when we think about, when we think about fear, uh, and I, I, I think about how I how I always had spent, and I think that I I worked off of lump sums. And what I mean by that is that hmm. how I I knew I was gonna be able to pay my debt down. I'm gonna get this lump sum, and I'm gonna pay my debt down. Yeah, uh, this and do that. And then I even how we think about tax returns. Uh, and it wasn't until I was I think I was so that 
I was probably about 29, 30. Uh, and I was talking to one of my friends and he grew up, around, he, he's a white guy, but he grew up around money. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't rich, but they, his family didn't have a problem talking about it. And so I didn't realize the goal for taxes is to be at zero. When you said zero, it made me think about it. The goal at the end of the, at the, end of the year is to not to have to owe them anything and them not to owe anything back. Because that means you did not give them a interest-free loan. That's it. You're trying to get to zero. Yeah. That's the goal is at the end of the year. And so my mindset changed. And yeah. how can I get to zero? Yeah. Uh, and so even then, so in my in my chapter uh, in my fraternity, I am the keeper of exchequer or the treasurer. And yeah. so the goal at the end of the year, when we finish, when we when we come, not even at the end of the year, when we begin to do the budget for the next year, is to balance the budget. A balanced budget is zero. And so yeah. you have you have, uh, you have accounted for every single dollar, every single penny to the T. The goal is to to uh, yeah. to down to zero. And it even changed how I kind of prepare for my 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 family's budget is, Hey, how do we get to zero? And that means every dollar is accounted for. That means every single penny. That means, and even to the point to where, when you have extra, we have an, an hour, we have what we call discretionary. And so, uh, and so it's, it's discretionary. So it still has, it's still accounted for. So yeah. it, it, it goes there. And so, but I think that for me, we never had my family. We never had real discussions about money. Yeah. I mean, by real, it was never, Hey, let me sit down and talk to you about I about how we do the bills. Yeah. Uh, and because for most of the time, we've always been taught to be put to be in a child's place. Yeah. Never realizing that there's a transition to where now we're 18 and we're just supposed to figure it out. Yeah. And even when you're 18, you're still a child. And some of us. And, and we're still a child, but because we and and this is some of that fear because we we're never given the the avenue to have a conversation yeah about mm-hmm. these things and ask these things and yeah. so it's almost like and so this is because i think sometimes when we think about these things is that transition to adulthood where you uh you transition to adulthood but in the mindset you're still a child Definitely. I mean, so your, your, your dad and your mom is still your dad and your mom. You still don't ask them these kind of questions, these kind of things. Yeah. And it's, it becomes hard. And so yeah. it's, it's like a it now crip, it cripples you because you're afraid to ask the question, but you need the information. Yeah. And so now you're forced to get the information another way. Exactly. Uh, and I think also it's just like they have, I think, uh, something we can do moving forward because our parents, you know, grew up the way they grew up. Yeah. And I think for us, our generation, definitely something we could do is make that transition because it's no different than how they taught us how to do chores. They were very open with that. Like my grandmother bought a broom my height and was like, you're going to learn to sweep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> but we don't do that. Like you said, with money, like I wasn't allowed to know how much my mother made, mm-hmm. even as I was becoming an adult. And so say like we had to do financial aid, right? Mm-hmm. From lower income families, a lot of us did financial aid. I was actually a financial aid officer. It's one of like my first salary paying jobs for the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to like before I right before I got that job, obviously I'm with my mom and I'm 18 and I need her taxes in order to do my financial aid form. I'm becoming an adult. But at that same time, it's like that. Like you said, that gray area, but you're still their child. So I'm like, mommy, I need your taxes in order to do my FAFSA. Like, what does my mom say to me? No, 
I'll do your FAFSA. Why? So I won't have her financial information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And it was very, very serious. And we we have those issues in our family, very, very secretive about money. Like you pay, like you said, kind of like pay your bills and everything like that. Yeah. But I was taught to pay my bills, save a little bit of money I had, but I could not like ask certain questions like, how do you have this? Or how did you get that? Even though my grandmother owned property, uh, like property, no one, and my mom bought a house too when I was younger, no one taught me the process of getting a house. I had to learn it on my own when I went out for my own house. Mm-hmm. So I was learning while it's happening. And any, thank God I had a good experience and God like really blessed me with mm-hmm. honest and integral people. But that experience, anybody could have taken advantage of me. Mm-hmm. Because I had absolutely no knowledge of the process whatsoever. That's true. And I had people who in my own family, my blood family who raised me, who had done this mm-hmm. more than once. And when I was growing up, no one took the time to say, this is how you do this. This is what you need. But it was it was a lot like um, it was a lot like sex. Right, like well, you can talk about that either. <laughs> of course, you know we're talking about money today, and I know that this, you know, um, but you know, Apparently, we, yeah, or you started hitting puberty. Your parent, like the conversation, there would not be a conversation, but if there were a conversation, it would be something like, "Don't get pregnant." <laughs> Amen. <laughs> like no sort of whatever about whatever. Um, not even sad. Like in my house, and my mom was a she is a she, she's still, you know, she is a part of the show, she is a part of the body of Christ. But she, she was a, as a church goer, there was no like scripture, let me sit you down, let me teach you about it, just know that you're not supposed to do this. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's I it. Would, that would be killed if I came in pregnant before <laughs> my mom was 40. She's like, I will kill you. This was our <laughs> conversation, and her occasionally asking me. If I'd had sex, mm-hmm. did you have sex yet? Like, this is a random question. Why are we talking about this? No, not with you. <laughs> right. right. It was like very uncomfortable. Right. Like, I did not. It's okay. Right. Yeah. But then expect me to talk to you about the experience if I had it. Like, right. it was, there was no preface for it. And the same thing when it came to, to money, it was very secretive, it was very private. I've never, like, I talked a little bit about money with my grandmother. But even then, I wasn't allowed to know how much she was getting. It was just like she was sitting in a lot of money per bill, and she didn't like walk in, <laughs> so she would drive up to the bill place, mm-hmm. and like the bills, the money was already counted out, and I would go inside to then pay the bill. Mm-hmm. And this was, and this was, that was it. It was never, uh, you know, this is how I save this, especially because I was raised by two women. And like my father left when I was around four. So I was mm-hmm. raised by my mother and my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And so they had to do a lot by themselves. So honestly, I thought, I mean, I did gain some knowledge from them, but it wasn't enough to, for me to be able to replicate owning a property or, you know what I'm saying? And, and have an investment property, which is honestly how, for a lot of people that don't know how many black millionaires started their wealth as owning mm-hmm. property within this country. And especially because I come from, as I did my history, I come from a, a family where my grandmother's grandfather was the first black man in like South, one of the first black men in South Carolina to own an allotted large amount of land. Mm-hmm. And so 
when I'm when you find out these things about yourself, it's like, where did that transition happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? To say we're not teaching you about this, we're not. We want you to have something, but we're not. And then there's another mistake I think that a lot of people make by putting things in their children's name and destroying their credit. You know what I mean? Like we don't, I'm like, why not put their name on a deed or something? You want to put their name on a phone bill that you're going to run up or, you know what I mean? Like a card that you're going to run up. And, and these, these are the mistakes that I've seen happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, that leads into our church. So, so one of the things that they were going to, we we're going to ask the question about what we, the church, we wish the church taught us or what yeah. did the church teach us? But one of the things I thought about is, is how I, I like examples. And so if you think about, I enjoy Chinese food. Okay. Uh, and so whenever I go to a Chinese restaurant, you normally see their children there. Yes. And you normally see their children working behind the register and things of that nature. And so in that sense, they're getting that education about money. Yeah. Uh, so, and that begins how you build that generational thing. And so I, I think in a certain portion, so per, part of my entrepreneurial spirit came from my dad had a restaurant when I was 12, 13. Uh, and so I, like on the weekends, I worked there, I worked cash register, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and so really, I guess if you think about it, I've been working since before I was 14, uh, but that was free labor. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, I guess, you, I guess he said, I, I gave you the lights and stuff like that. So I guess it wasn't free labor. <laughs> so, uh, and so it's one of those things. And so, but, but I think one of our, because I think I kind of, I don't want to, our parents taught what they knew, but I don't think they knew how to teach it. Uh, but yeah. the, additionally, one of the things I'm proud that my dad taught me, he was like, if you can avoid it, don't buy a car, uh, buy a car cash. Uh, now, the, the greatest challenge, I think, was that they did a good job of directions without explanation. And so if you're telling me, don't get a credit card, tell me why. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of it, I, I don't. I need to understand the why. It's not that I. I, I just want to do it, but I, if I understand the why, I know how to navigate through it. Exactly. If I, if I, by the time I understood, I, I don't. I think my very first car that I bought uh, with a car payment, I was thirty, and so I had two cars before that. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, and so I was thirty, and so, but that's because I was just in that position where I had to. But yeah. in my lifetime, my dad. That my aunt says, uh, my maternal aunt says, my dad always had a car, but he's never, he's never, he's only had one car payment his whole life. <laughs> and so, uh, and so he is, uh, so I am 37, he's 67. And so he's, he's only had one car payment. So, and then he gave that car back. He's like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, and so, but he's always, but he's always, like, he's always paid cash for it. Uh, uh, and so, but then now that I grow up, I realized that a car is depreciating value. And so, and so uh, it's like, hey, well, I'm going to do this. And so he was always, he always, and they always say he always had a car. He always had a house. Yeah. That's that's just the case. So we, his thing is that I can always get a car, figure a way out, but I need somewhere to stay. And that's always yeah. the thing. Uh, and so, but, and so he, he taught me that uh, in, but not in the sense of I'm teaching you this, yeah. it's that oh, I've always known he has had a house and I always known that he has had a car and he doesn't yeah. take on car payments. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, my grandmother was definitely an entrepreneur as well. And she had her own beauty parlor up until like she had one obvious before I was alive and then one again later in life. And I helped her, you know, like, you know, I was around it, like the painting and the upstart of it. But like you said, it was just like, I see it. So I have that same spirit because I was around it, but I still wasn't taught 
how to navigate business. So when I started my business, so I have that entrepreneurial spirit from my grandmother. But when I started my business, it was literally from the ground up with no prior knowledge, mm-hmm. just knowing that she did it. Yeah, that's it. And so I want to go. What do we wish? Or not what do we wish? What did the church teach us about money, if anything? <laughs> so this, I mean, it's. I think we're still learning about what the church's stance on money is. I think that because we are. Uh, we are we are um, preachers. We're ministers. We, you know, that's our job. It's our job to study the word. It's our job to study the word to show ourselves approved. It's our job to spread the gospel. Um, that there are things that we come to understand differently about money. I think growing up in church, I learned that you just had to give. So my mother would give us a dollar every Sunday, and we would give it in after. Sunday school, and then we would give another dollar during the, the um, service after the sermon when it was time to give. And then you would hear the song, You Can't Beat God's Giving. <laughs> God's Giving, no matter how we try. Yeah. And, you know, by the time I left the church, I started to drink the Kool Aid of, you know, well, the church is stealing your money. I tried mm-hmm. it, but you know, God has his own convictions and you, you feel it. So God was like, look, you know, you're playing yourself. <laughs> so I think by the time I got back to church, I was ready to throw that thinking away just because life had shown me so much differently. Like, like you said earlier, you know, people tend to think that the church mm-hmm. is full of these money hungry hope dealers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they, they tend to think that people are going in to be manipulated out of their money, their Mm -hmm. hard earned money. And therefore we have a problem with the church because why do, you know, why are you doing this? They don't recognize that the giving that we do is sacrificial and it's biblical. It's Mm -hmm. biblically supported. No one will ask you for anything that the Bible hasn't affirmed first. So um, as an adult, I've learned about the Levites. I've learned about, you know, um, how they were this priesthood who were expected not to work the mm-hmm. land, who were expected to just be in the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were to handle all of the temple matters. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else would have to bring in 10% of what they had in order to support them because that's all they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you learned that and I was um, just talking about this um, with Megan a few, maybe an hour or so ago. And yeah. um, uh, when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, um, so first Corinthians chapter nine, and he says to them, like, you know, God, God said, when you preach the gospel, you are to live on the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me let me quote this directly. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, it says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So you know that the money is it's more than just sacrificial on a practical standpoint. It keeps, you know, it it, it this is this is what the person is doing. They're dedicating their lives to this. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the learning, you also learn how to take off the world's perception of what it means to have money. So I think that the church has taught me a lot about money out of context. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
it's no fault of their own. I think it's just something that historically we had to get to this point. Um, but I also believe that, you know, with deeper study of the word, which we all should be doing, um, you know, you start to understand how practically the money is expected to to play out. Mm-hmm. Nice. Megan? I, I think that before I like get into my answer hardcore, I, I would agree with Masua. Like I grew up as a pastor's child. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was my pastor for several, several years uh, prior to her death. And I think that, that, and that also does go into my answer is that she she was definitely big on she never took an offer and she never took a salary and she was very very big on like honoring god like it says in proverbs like with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce and like seek first the kingdom of god and all its righteousness that's in matthew and mm-hmm. the thing, all these things will be added unto you she was very big on that and she did not believe in taking she was like i'm not going to take from god's house because he will supply but in that in that form, it is us taking care of them. Because when you say, because we're all ministers in some facet on this platform, right? If literally this is all you're doing, I am going to the hospital, I'm praying, I'm baptizing, I'm funeral, you know, I'm doing funerals, I'm doing memorials, I'm doing weddings. I'm, this is all I'm doing. Mm -hmm. How am I being like, how am I being taken care of? because I still have to live and then right. I have a family. So the issue comes in with that mindset because there are people who have taken advantage of it. Yes. And that's really what's highlighted. People like, you know, Mr. Brown or cool. I just say Mr. Brown messing with you, but quit. Like, people like your pastor, they don't get highlighted who never took a salary, but who was Bible preaching, right? right? Mm-hmm. People like my grandmother who did not take a salary, and yeah. was still taken care of efficiently, who was not taken advantage of, who owns her own homes, who was her own business owner. These are not the people that's being highlighted as that reciprocity that comes from being sold out to the word and doing the work of God and being a minister and a pastor. And that's all you're doing. And the people actually caring for you efficiently and you actually feed in your community. That's not what's being highlighted. What's being highlighted are people who are like larger pastors on a you know on a scale with private jets and the rest of their members don't you know what i'm saying are yeah. not as you know efficient with their money or their resources or their poor or your churches where pastors you know have luxury vehicles and they're in communities where they've done nothing for mm-hmm. these are the ones that's being highlighted so that's the issue yeah. it's because i'm not one to sit here and say this is all you're doing and you don't take care of your pastor mm-hmm. you should Mm-hmm. But in turn, the reciprocity is a reciprocal yes. thing. The pastor is taking care of the people. The people are growing, not just financially, but spiritually. And you know what I'm saying? Like all of their growing, I would say holistically. Mm-hmm. And when you see that happen, it's like I said, it's reciprocal. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I that's what I was taught that that care with the money and, and as far as like being taken care of is reciprocal. Now, when you talk about money in the practical way, mm-hmm. as far as how I spend it as an individual, how we spend it in our families, I was never taught anything mm-hmm. by yeah. the pulpit. There were never any classes that right. said, okay, let's have a financial when I was growing up, let's have a financial advisor come in mm-hmm. and talk about our resources and how we can grow, how we can develop our people. Because yes, we're about saving souls, which is great. But my thing is this, and I, I'm slightly biased about this, but I will say like when people come in and they prophesy, I'm not saying that they're tr- not true. Some aren't, but when they're like, you're going to get a house and you're going to car and you know, all of that. Always, yeah. yeah. 
those basic prophecies, right? But my thing is, say it's true, but how are you going to maintain this house? Mm -hmm. How are you going to maintain this car? It's no different than somebody who's had, like you said, that poverty mindset, like you mm -hmm. want to, like we should name it, mm -hmm. winning the lottery, and then they they go back to find them in like a year, and they're completely broke. Why? Because they had no knowledge of how to handle their money, nor, like you said, sometimes it suppresses the desire in us to go ask, nor did they have the wherewithal to go ask someone that would know about money because what, we've been taught to keep it a secret. We've been taught to not tell people how much money you have. We've been taught to not ask about money. All mm -hmm. things play into how we address it on yeah. a broader scale. And so even in church, it's not even talked about in the pulpit outside of tithing. And, yeah. I, and of course, I'm not speaking against tithing. We should tithe. And also, I would like to say tithing is not just about money. Like you don't only just have to tithe money. You can tithe your time. You can tithe your talents. You can tithe your efforts. You yeah. can tithe your mentorship. So people need to remember that tithing comes in all forms. Because if you don't have any money, but you have your talent, you can tithe that. Right. 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 I'm going to like say you not like, rich or whatever, but you can spend your time volunteering at your church in your community, tithing in, in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we want to say that too, but as far as us talking about money, no, we don't in our churches. And, and the only time you do hear it is when it's offering time. And like she said, when I was a little girl, I was giving a couple dollars, was yeah. cute. My little, little, you know, I want y'all see my little, little flower. Okay. Come on. And mm -hmm. I go up there. Exactly. Right. And I go up there and I drop my little dollar in the basket and I feel good about it. Like, you understand? Hey, you can't be God's given. Come on. <laughs> Press down, shaking together, running over. Like, this that is it. Mm -hmm. but that's that's it. And that's where it stopped. So, yeah. And you also, I, I'm sorry, Chloe. I know. Yeah. Two, I mean, uh, two girls. <laughs> you cannot be girls. But, um, you know, you mentioned it earlier, like, I, I think it's two extremes where it's either you don't talk about it at all and it's only like discussed within tithing or you found some way to directly equate it to and make the gospel transactional. Mm -hmm. Like not, you know, like, oh, give all your money and God will bless you. Yes. Ooh, Lord, say that again. Like that prosperity gospel, which is, extremely dangerous and it, unfortunately it's in and and no not unfortunately because paul says it himself he says it doesn't matter what the motives of the people are as long as the gospel is being preached that's the only thing he was concerned with um and i, I i'm sorry i have a tendency to do that like I, i'm talking about the person and who wrote it but i can't give you this the the, the scripture and that's also living but um, it's that idea of like, you know, no, I'm gonna sell you this, like, I'm gonna yeah. sell this to you, like um, transactional prayer. God, if you do this, I'll not do this. Literally, a slot the, the, the church then becomes a slot machine where yeah. it's like I go and I give, give, give so that I'm able to get, get, get. Yeah. And you know, no, I don't think that we're supposed to be poor. I don't. No at all but i also find it pretty hard to believe in a gospel written or penned um or witnessed by several individuals who were not rich who were nomadic who you know were like tent makers who you know like it's it's difficult to to be able to believe that this person who was writing to specific audiences writing to specific people um, 
what was then telling me that I'm meant, you know, like it's just, it's different. And you see the, the, you see scripture being twisted and pulled and tweaked in a way that, you know, um, I mean, we'll get you what you want for that Sunday, which is a full plate, but you know, like it just, it becomes transactional. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like just to your point, it just, it's too extreme. It's either, you know, we, we make, we turn this into a casino or yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about it at all in the yeah. closet, give you a tie all of the day. So your the scripture you quoted was uh, first, I mean, Philippians 1, 15 to 18. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, what I come through scripture. <laughs> so, uh, what happened? What I was thinking of is, is that I think growing up in the church and then being a worker in the church as an adult, it helped me see things differently. Uh, I've been back there when we counted that money, and it was short. What I mean by that, it wasn't going to meet the the budget. Uh, mm. I've been there when, of course. Uh, all these different things. But one thing that I, I want to hit on is about the pastor and the preacher uh, and even the priest. Uh, I just, we, was it not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before we did a uh, kind of like a rebroadcast for the late uh, Bishop uh, J.D. Ellis. Mm -hmm. uh, and he preached about the priest. And could we have this idea that the priest or the preacher is not working? Those priests that weren't working, they worked. <laughs> I do. <laughs> actual cutting up of the meeting and the, uh, all that sacrifice and stuff like that, that was, that would work. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, and the fact is that they did it. Uh, they were standing in place of the people. Yes. Uh, and so that's even where they said, like, there was never even room to sit down. That's why where it says that, that's why when Paul comes back and says, after this man finished, he went and sat down, th this being Christ, because the work was finished. That's why he said, it is finished. Yeah. And finished because I finished the work. The, on, priest, yeah. the priest's job before then, their work was never finished. Uh, and so, so even now, it, 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 as you were saying, Megan, it was like one of those things where, like, my uh, when someone died, the, they expected uh, the pastor to be there. Exactly. And, yeah. And the grant, and and I'm not being trying to be facetious or mean or rude. And the you're there just for comfort because there's nothing you can truly do. Yeah, to pray. Right. Um, and so, but one of the things that it, that taught me even more balance was my pastor in New Jersey, where he was saying that there was someone that that he knew that they were just in the grand scheme of things, it was time for them to pass. It was going to happen. It yeah. was just a matter of time. And so he had a he's still a, he's still a husband. He's still a father. And so it was it was like a Friday. And Friday was his day off. He said, he basically said, if you ain't calling about wings, <laughs> you ain't calling about something. Come on. Come on, Sabbath. <laughs> but, uh, but what he would say is that he got the call. He was cutting the grass. He got the call. He's like, okay. He was, there was nothing he could do at that very moment. So he finished cutting the grass. His wife also wanted to take the boys to get haircuts. Mm -hmm. to get haircuts. And then he showered and then went, went and took care of it. Because it, it, it was there, but there's, there's still, there's, Work is still work to be done. It, it doesn't yeah. understand that. Hey, the funeral or the late night calls or when yep. you go to the hospital uh, or yeah. like hey or the hours upon hours of, hmm. um, that are spent on studying, like yeah. just studying, uh, and going so deep yeah. work so you can uh, and so that and uh, or planning this or planning that or the well, the own sacrifice you make in your life. Yes, and so then, subject to the word. That's that work, <laughs> uh, and, so, <laughs> and they don't they don't see that that work. 
Yeah. Uh, and so, but but being back there and kind of seeing the different things and seeing like when what it looks like when they don't take salary. Yeah. Like what it looks like. Uh, so my my bishop, uh, Bishop Brian Moore, uh, he uh, he would have to like he literally have to be on the road. To go pre because that, that he was he was a he was uh, that was it like that there was nothing else uh and so uh and he had he had a wife and he had, and and so he had to, he was all over he was over two churches mm. and so when he's not taking the salary he got to eat somehow thank you that's, that's <laughs> the thing that's the thing when we don't have those conversations that 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 puts us in dangerous territory because that transparency is not there mm -hmm. we are now in a culture where like even our like my twins mm -hmm. yo the the amount of intelligence the amount the amount of memory that they like have the information that they're able to retain i can't explain things to them the way my mom explained things to me mm -hmm. yeah right and so as the culture changes that the the transparency that they're demanding it also changes but the other part of it is that we didn't uh, we didn't have this, and so the fact is, is that Google, like they'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> that's not right. Uh, and we could we could we couldn't correct our parents. Uh, so uh, and uh, even if we knew they were wrong, so even uh, if they were wrong, you were still wrong. Like, but I think that the I also I think that sometimes we put so much onus on the church. In the sense of like, so I was there when we, when uh, in my my church in Charleston, they would have financial literacy. Nice. And there were three people there. We had like five people in our church. There were three or four people there, and it goes back to that fear. But what I also understand is that people that lack knowledge pretend to have the most knowledge, and so. <laughs> In the, in the sense of like, uh, you'll always find a person, learn, a person that that has knowledge or has success. They want to learn how to be more successful, yep. and so they're always seeking it. Oh, and so they're always listening. This and that. But like, there were there were people, and this is the, this is the thing about it is that the three people that participated in that class, they were debt free mm. and put the house. That's well, right. That's one hundred percent. Like the only three people, like they they were debt free. Um, and they, they were all, they put on the process and it was taught by, so it was two classes taught. One, one class was free. Uh, and they, that session was taught by the finance, the, I guess you could say the CFO of the church. Mm. Yeah. The second one, it was not free. I think it was $20, but it was not just, it wasn't just about finance. It taught you, you had a real estate session. You had all wow. these different sessions, uh, because the person, uh, uh, they, they wrote a book and things of that nature. Uh, and, uh, she uh people that that being smart, being yeah. using their talent and to be favored, like no one went to volunteer and no one went to be paid for, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so that and that is just that is where it went, is that but, but people but more people outside of the church participated than inside the church. And so so it's and so I think we we're covering all the questions, so it just kind of I like it better this way anyway. Rather it's uh, conversational, and so it's, it's what we wish the church would tell us, and we we, we wish the our parents would have taught us. But then the other side of it is now, what do we need to do now to equip the saints, uh, the believers, or even the person 
that's not sure about Christ, mm. but it's coming for an answer. And the, a, one of my favorite, and so I'm gonna be like, is in James, uh, but it's in James, it's James one, and it's, it's talking about faith versus works. Come on. And so he goes and says, if you tell someone that they are, they say I'm hungry, and you say I'll pray for you, they're not gonna, they're not. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. They're not gonna really. Yeah. What is what is supposed to do when their stomach growling? They don't care. And so I read that scripture. Yo, so, brother Jimmy, brother Jimmy, brother James keeps coming up. I'm preaching sure brother James in November, and that same scripture, faith, faith without works is dead. And you're absolutely right. Like he's talking about how is it that you, you know, and he says to them, you literally, you show me your, you show me your faith and tell me that, you know, um, that um, you're, um, wait, show me your faith with or without your deeds, without saying that you've done mm -hmm. deeds. And I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, you can't have one without the other. It doesn't make nope. sense. No, nope. works doesn't save you. Faith saves you, but work works with your faith. Work is faith in action. Yeah. And um and it's it it uh how to explain. <laughs> She's like, it's so much to say. I'm not so excited, but mm -hmm. It, it, it definitely is this idea of like understanding that you can't simply want, right? And I think with it, move in the direction of your you faith, move in the direction of your faith, That's even right. those aspirations. And we, we also talked about this too those affirmations and all of this like spiritual stuff. And I'm quote, I am being facetious here, mm -hmm. all of this spiritual stuff, mm -hmm. um, where people are like, you know, you speak it into existence. No, you speak manifestation. It. Manifest it. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to be a millionaire by the end of the day tomorrow. So guys, I, I won't know you. I will act brand new because I'm going to be a millionaire because that's what I affirm. Yeah. It is literally like, it is dangerous because it's it's taking God out of the equation. Mm -hmm. We also are, you know, we need to understand that, hmm, we need to understand that we have a working relationship with money. Mm -hmm. We need to understand how that relationship plays itself out practically. So we need to understand that when, when Jesus says you cannot serve God and money, that that works with not being in debt to any man. Because mm. when you're in debt to man, then you're literally working to pay off. And who are you thinking about all the time? Who is your mind consumed with all of the time? Sally Mae for a lot yeah. of people right. degrees. <laughs> right. And so that- Sally Mae so ain't getting her money. <laughs> I'm grateful I don't know her like that though. Girl, <laughs> I've been acting brand new to Sally for a minute now. Actually, mm -hmm. Sally is the one who reminds me when it's time to get back to school. Because that's how we can end that relationship there. <laughs> yeah, you put it on ball. She's still, she's still there. But I think like when we're talking about this this relationship and, and what we wish taught us or what we need to do now, because yes. we wish they would have taught us is what we need to do now, right? Yes. And for me, it's community investment. Uh churches receive so many benefits and that they don't use at 
all, like their tax breaks and all the things that they can get for the community. And when I say something that is community investments, churches have the ability to establish credit unions, but there are only a few hundred credit unions, faith-based credit unions inside the United States. And only I think about a hundred and something of them are active Mm -hmm. currently as of 2019. Mm -hmm. So when you think about what credit unions do, they offer better APRs. And when we're talking about like mortgages, auto loans, all the things we could be teaching our our church communities, that's something they could do. And then also I'm a big, 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 big proponent of, of micro loans. And I think that like, if we had our own credit unions, people that have small businesses that is super, super hard to just get off the ground where they are denied by larger banks and we have our own credit unions, why couldn't we be an investment into our communities and, and in those smaller businesses? Because it's proven that with like micro loans that they're paid back faster just because somebody's just happy. Somebody believed in them and gave them a chance yeah. and look to show that they can do it. You know what I mean? So like we need to take advantage of community investment is one of the biggest proponents of our money circulating within our community. And you see it within other communities of like color, like you see within Jewish or, or face, you see within the Jewish community. It's a proven fact that their dollar circulates 10 times within their community before it ever leaves the community. You understand what I'm saying? So why is it that? And you go inside of Brooklyn where we're from and you go into the Hasidic Jewish community and you'll have stores and daycares and their own police and their own ambulances and lawyers and doctors and they refer, 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 refer and property. And it's like, and then they have their synagogue, right? And all of these things are centric. However, you can go into Brooklyn, which is the borough of churches and you can have five churches on a block and nobody wants to talk to nobody like that or to maybe do services because everybody wants to be a pastor but within the community you'll still see the same thing the same crackhead you saw when you were like 10 years old what are you doing within this community community investment is something that our churches need to become much more better with using the benefits like if you don't have to pay taxes use those benefits you know being more involved with the school board within within your district let them know that they can't just do anything with your children this pays back into your church all of these things matter. And this is what we need to do. We need to invest in our communities because it's like what you said. I'm a firm believer in that. You have all of these people who don't have jobs that don't have after school programs. And you're telling me to come to church to do what? Sweetie, I need to go to whether it's McDonald's or FedEx or whatever. I need to go to work so I can pay my bills. What's wrong with you? Are you mad because I want to be here listening to you rolling on the floor? I think there's a few things. One, I want to touch back on the preachers. I want one of the things I want to think about one is Bishop Jakes. If you've actually ever heard him preach, most most people. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, she left. Testimony. testimony. Uh, so one of the things that I think about is when he talks about his beginnings. Yeah. So most people they see him, and I, I think about back to the uh, the Kirk Franklin song when they were uh, when they were talking. He was like, "You're looking at them, but you don't know how. You're looking at you're looking at now, but you don't know how." Yeah. And so when he talked about that. He would literally, he was a line order cook. He had like, he had several jobs uh, when he was in West Virginia. He was a line order cook. He would work literally and put his whole check into the church. Like, and so most people don't see that. So I, I, because sometimes we, we give, I'm not saying that there are no crooked pastors, but I'm saying that sometimes we give, we think we look at him now and then 
there's no way that you look at all his ministries. The fact that the uh, the prison, uh, the, the after prison program that he had and stuff like that, you can't say, oh man, he's not putting it back. But I also want to. I believe in that. I'm yeah. saying more of yeah. our churches need to do that. No, I, no, I agree. I, I think that, I, but I, I know what we're talking about. I wanted to make sure we hit that because sometimes we look at Bishop Jakes specifically in uh, the the black church is like this person and a lot of people like to think like if some of the comments I see just on his post, like uh, he's, he's, he's money hungry, this and that, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to hold you. I do side eye Bishop Jakes, not for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I, I was going to say something, but we are quick. I, I mind is more about these things. <laughs> so, no. Oh man. No. <laughs> But no, you are absolutely right. And I think um, he also mentions how, you know, even when he accepted the call to ministry, um, it took him almost a full 10 years Mm -hmm. um, to be able to preach his first sermon. Mm -hmm. And so, no, we don't see, like, we don't see the, we don't see that work. We only see figures like him sensationalized in the media and portrayed as like these money hungry savages. Mm -hmm. And they're not. Yeah. You don't like there was work in this, and so know? yeah, and so what I, I want to I want to bring it back uh, to because it's fun that you mentioned community because the whole point of the the whole purpose or how this ignited for this subject uh, these subjects is from the book, and uh, one of the things that uh, me and uh, me and Kev talk about is that it is the church in Acts, and so I always go back to the church in Acts, uh, and so. And how they they had everything, and so no one had a need because they had it in. And then I go back to the talents. Most of the challenge is is that most people have more talent than they acknowledge. Uh, and what ends up happening, and as we talk about money, and we break into how to make money and how to be mo- inside of your church, there are several different things going on. There's several different people with multi talents. You okay. have uh, you have human resources person. You have so that means this and thing we about don't utilize our resources well. If you had a human resources person, there should be no reason. And this this does not have to come from the pastor. Yeah, there should be no reason why if you're applying for a job, you don't let them look over your resume. There you go. Okay, so uh, it's, so, uh it, it should be no reason. But the, once again, it goes back to we live in a such a Western culture, and we've been, we bought into the 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 myth that we have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Yeah, uh, and so. Uh, and I go back to Dr. King's uh, quote. It is, it is spiteful, and I'm paraphrasing, to tell to a bootless man to pull himself up by his own bootstraps. Come on. Uh, and so, but the fact is that if you have a bootmaker, you can go talk to him. Exactly. Uh, and so, uh, and so, but a lot of the times we become so individualized. But there's so many talents within our church, uh, and we utilize them. And we, the other side of it is, is that we, we. We rather look like we have it together than actually than have it on. Uh, and so the other side of it is like I like a lot of a lot of people that talk about the the pastor stealing money. They dress, they drive better, they eat better than the pastors. Uh, it's so, it's so uh, uh, and, a lot of people don't know how pastors struggle, and, 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 that's the and they, don't. they don't know, and they don't know the struggle. They don't know like. This has nothing to do with pastors, but just think about leadership. I was watching, uh, I was watching a snippet from Jamel Hill's podcast with Chelsea Clinton, uh, and she was saying that 
you'd be surprised what people literally come up to her and say. Not Chelsea Clinton, she's never run for office. She's just a daughter of someone. And they literally have told her, I hope your children die so that way your family line can be ended. Not, not, this, is not, this, is not on a, this is not on a tweet. They literally come up to her and say at the park. Like, uh, it's so, but like, but mm -mm. It's so, so we don't really think about those things when we think about leadership. I don't want to go, because I, I go on a whole tangent on that. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but the whole thing is that we have talent. And, but the, the thing is that we have to be, we're not community minded. Exactly. Uh, and we're not taught to be community minded. And it goes back to, we don't, you don't tell anybody what you have in your pocket, in your wallet, right. uh, right. what you make, this, this, and that. And so, but, and the, mo the the reality of it is most people can figure that out. Like if you get, uh, <laughs> when I was, when I was online, they told me, they called me the investigator because I can figure, I can find anything out. You give me a computer in a few minutes. And so, <laughs> and so I'll, I'll find it. But uh, one of the things is, is that, it's it's most of the thing like if you have a state job i'm gonna find it in 10 minutes maybe oh, yeah. uh, max but uh, and so if you have a federal job because it's public information but the other side of it is is that how did you get i should be able to say hey and how did you get that house and and not you be like oh, that's no big deal they said no I, i'm trying to figure it out we even do that with clothes quiet as it's kept yeah. like it's, if you got something that's flat yeah mm -hmm. You don't want to tell nobody where you got it. Yeah. Like I know. And that was dumb because I, I'm like, I'll Google, okay, plaid tie with the pink and blue, and I'll find it. <laughs> no, okay. Google, I'm just saying the concept. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, no, like, no, 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 I'm saying like, but now it's, it's, it makes no sense uh, because it's like, oh, man, I don't want anybody to, quote, unquote, steal my swag. But the reality of it is that you may you may give them this, and they may give you that. And I go back to. I go back to even when we talk about faith and works is we go back to Peter and John walking to the gate called beautiful through the gate called beautiful. And this man, they have something that he doesn't even know he needs. Well, yeah. he knows he needs it, but he's, he's already given up on it. And mm -hmm. most people, uh, and so, cause they asked him for, for, for money and like, we ain't got that. But what I do got, what I do have, I give freely. Come on. Yes. And so the, the thing is, I can give you, I give you this freely. And then now when they give him this thing, when he begins to worship them, he's like, we're just a men. And then let me point you towards Christ. And so some of these things that we begin to have these financial things and these yeah. things in the community, the people that need it, the, the people that, that really need it, not the people that, not the people that come to church every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking about the people that are, that literally needed that that they're, they're trying to find God that are living around our church my my theory if you could say my theology uh is that everyone is searching for God they just don't know it that's a whole uh, and, and so the fact is that they're, they're searching for God and they just don't know it and so that is where uh uh, uh Romans where he says that uh all the creation is moaning and groaning waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, Amen. And so it's, it, it, it's Romans eight. He said we're waiting for the, they're waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Mm. Romans, R Romans is my bag, so uh, <laughs> my book. So uh, uh, so uh, he's saying that we're waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Not 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 uh, Christians, not believers, yeah. but all of creation. That's that right. We're waiting for them to be revealed, and we're going to be revealed in some of the things of how we deal with money. And how we can pour back into the community exactly. and help build that community. And Amen. so, what I think we need is 
a resurgence of what the church was in the 60s, but in the modern era. In the 60s, that's where uh, that's where community community uh, town halls were held. Yeah. In the 60s, that's when they begin to 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 plan how who's going to run for these political positions. Uh, who we're going to push behind? In, in the 60s, this is where the 60s. I always think, I think that the church needs to be what we think the barbershop is. And so the barbershop and the hair salon is where everything gets talked about. If you want to find out anything about something, and there's a lot of, sometimes there's a lot of drama and things of that nature, but what it needs, yeah. what we need that church to be is, hey, this is the center. And you come here and it's what church is supposed to be spiritually. Like Sunday, you come in, you get fed to go out and live about the week, but not just to live about the week, but also to spread the gospel and yeah. how you live and how you move. And so once again, but you will, some people you'll never get their attention. How people were drawn to Christ is one, they were drawn to him because the miracles he was doing, but the miracles were just a small thing. What he was doing, he wasn't trying to do miracles. He was trying to save their soul. Yep. And, so, and when it says that, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Yeah. How we, how, how we draw all men unto me is by how we live. Amen. That's how we lift Christ up. So, hey, how did you get debt free in a year? Well, God gave strategy. And because uh, my pastor says this, he says that if we live by God's principles, we need less miracles. Hmm. Uh, and because if you think about because <laughs> it's so simple and true. <laughs> uh, he didn't have a miracle. He had a principle. He gave Pharaoh a principle. And then that's when he gave Pharaoh the principle. Then it was like, oh, man, so we're going to we're going to stop. We're going to stock up for seven years. Hmm. But a portion of it, we're going to store a portion of it going to be for now. And then for seven years, when the drought comes, we'll be good. But we've never we only learned how to live in the drought. We've never learned how to live with the excess, and and mm -hmm. so and and the thing is, one of the things I think is funny is that we complain about the ten percent, but we freely give the thirty percent to the government. But that's mm -hmm. the end of there. But um, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things that we don't need. Yeah, yes. a whole bunch of things that we don't need. Evening, I know. And it's crazy. And you're talking about living in drought and the choices that we make when we think about the children of Israel, how they wandered right mm -hmm. for forty years and. It was because of lack of principles, right? And we think about like how we go in circles over and over. God, if you just do this for me. And it, and it goes back to the same thing. Faith without works and practices. It's just like back to that millionaire. Like, how are you keeping your money? And you don't know how. You have no principles. You have no discipline. You have no integrity. But you know what the children of Israel goes directly back to what you just said. This 11-day journey has really took y'all 40 years. Facts, like we, we, you're absolutely right. We, we, we need less of the bailouts because <laughs> you know that, and that's how people look at their tax money returns, as you were saying. Yeah, if we really do try our best and work towards abiding by God's principles, please. We, I was just talking to someone earlier, and I know like we're going like all over the place because it's just all so inextricably connected. And I was talking, you're talking about living in droughts and being, and that's why I always tell people I'm not a survivor. I like to say I thrive through a situation. I want to thrive. You don't want to just survive. And 
And we were talking about the need for senseless like drama, Mm -hmm. like when things and it's kind of like you're saying about living in drought. We know how to live in drama. You understand what I'm saying? We like we like that constant state of emergency. That's why like there was this book called Toxic Charities. And that's another issue with our finances, like the the toxicity of consistent charity like you're always living in a state of emergency that's why so many of us are dependent on welfare and government funded programs and things of that nature because we're always in this consistent place of emergency no storehouse mentality no investment mentality no investing into our community mentality knowing that our resources are stronger together than they are separate mentality we're always in a state of drought we're always in a state of drama why because we don't have the principles attached to how we live our lives. And if we do those things, we would be free now. Freedom is not just the, the, the level of freedom that comes in death is inexplainable, right? But there is a freedom that we can experience in life that we rob our own selves from by just not by following God. Our first, what was it? Our first musical guest, we had like an offline conversation with him and it's a hymn that we take for granted so much. And it's, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. And the line we said is, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And so it's the same thing with the principle. That's us carrying, that's us carrying God. We don't carry these principles in our finances, even as a church. Yes. And this is why we're failing. Yeah. So yeah, that's my little soapbox. (laughs) So we've been going for an hour and 12 and I can go. So uh, (laughs) uh, I want to, uh, I want to answer, I want to leave off with this question, kind of thing. What would you tell your younger self about money? Mm. <laughs> so you want to go first? Yeah, because this real short and simple. Real short and simple. Those little college fest events that happen around campus, yeah, those are just opportunities to get your name on some credit card applications. Get you some credit cards. You know you cannot afford to pay you off, girl. So don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I got my first credit card as at 18. <laughs> but it's I, I still have by though. Like oh my gosh, that's so funny. And it's been my longest line of credit too. Uh, <laughs> she's like, no, don't do it. Don't do too many of them. Not they get you them APRs be high, and that's how they do. They start you off with like zero. And then they move to high, huh? A year later. A year, exactly. One year later, exactly. Twelve months. Ah, twenty-four point nine point eight point seven point six percent. Like, what happened to my life? Oh my god! But credit. Please know that credit is good. But that's a whole nother conversation. There are good types of credit. But for me, I would tell my younger self: don't be afraid to take financial risks. Like wise financial risks. Because I started doing some things and I, you know, because of the nervousness, like the fear of it when I was younger. So definitely be be wise about financial, take some wise financial risks. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, I would tell my younger self, one, <laughs> if when you first get in the Air Force, invest in TSP. Woo! Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that, but also... Come on through a savings plan. You're going to 
you're gonna have you're gonna run into a lot of money. Uh, and uh, is a and what you should do is just save. Start off with saving ten percent, just like you do tithes. Uh, also, it's something my cousin once said. He said, "We always plan for a rainy day, but never for a sunny day." And mm. what he meant by that is that we always plan for something bad to go happen, but we never plan for the good things to happen. Amen. Uh, so, like, and so, is if if someone were to come to you with the financial opportunity, you can't even take it because in your mind, this is just for a, a rainy day. Wow. Uh, and so, it's like if you wow. don't if you don't really think about it, you plan for the sunny days. Uh, and I, I think that I think those are the things. And then I think the worst thing that I probably did and I could probably I could have done better is leave my savings account alone. Mm. <laughs> so uh, yeah. uh, your savings account shouldn't like there should be a savings account that's not an emergency. Like, it's yeah. not an emergency fund, it's literally just a savings account uh, because we create emergencies. Uh, and so uh, we, we were anything will be emergency. Uh, uh, you don't even need that. Uh, and I think I think the other side of it is that uh, eat on campus more and eat on base more. <laughs> it was you already paid for it. And so uh, one meal prep. Yeah. It's, uh, and so uh, I think that that was it. And so one, I want to thank you uh, both for being on here. But I do want you to leave, if you. I want. To, uh, I, I see this on all the other podcasts. It's like, hey, I want you to give me what you want to leave the people with, uh, and also. As you end with what you want to leave the people with, I also want you to tell people where they can find you one more time. All right. Uh, one thing to leave the people with, read the word. Mm. Read the word. That's it. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. The word itself is sufficient. Read the word. Um, and... Oh, me? Okay. And so since I'm the other half of two girls and guys, I'm going to build upon what she said and say, after you read the word, be the word. Mm -hmm. That's about it. So once again, you can find us on... (laughs) You can find us. We are a little bit everywhere. Apple Podcast, Apple Radio. To the number two girls in God, two girls in God. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook at Two Girls in God. Um, and you could subscribe to our podcast on Apple, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. And can you tell the people when uh when like when is it uploaded? So when does it come out each day? Every Sunday. Every Sunday. So every Sunday. So listen, every Sunday, you can even listen on Sunday, or you can make sure that Monday morning on the Monday morning commute, That's if right. you're commuting, or while you're working, because most people like to work from home, put that in the background. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I want to thank everyone. Uh, thank, I want to thank you for your time. Once again, go follow them. Go subscribe. Remember, five stars, five stars, five stars. Oh, uh, thank you so awesome. much. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and also, I said, if you, if you go on their, uh, Instagram, like and share, like and share, like and share, Facebook too. Uh, let's get this word out there. So we're going to close out. I want to thank you once again for your time. Thank and you. No problem. And, and we'll bring you back on. <laughs> so we'll bring you back on. We have fun. But uh, I always like to close by saying this. Uh, you never want to let your independence rob you from your dependence on God. Mm. God bless you. God love you. Until next week. Have a good week. <laughs>